I'm Matthew McCabe. Welcome to Miracle Voices. Each episode, we will be delving into stories of forgiveness, healing, and transformation that have come about from integrating the principles of the book, A Course in Miracles. If you want to learn more about A Course in Miracles, visit www.acim.org. If you'd like to visit the Miracle Voices site, please go to www.miraclevoices.org. If you feel inspired to make a love offering, please visit us at miraclevoices.org forward slash donate. All donations go support the work of the Foundation for Inner Peace, the publisher of A Course in Miracles. Now here's your program. Hello, this is Matthew McCabe. Welcome to another edition of Miracle Voices. I am here with my co-host, Tam Morgan. Tam, how are you doing today? Doing well today. Glad to be back in the saddle of podcasts. Me too. (laughs) Yay. And our guest today is Elaine Rosen. Elaine, how are you doing? I am doing wonderful today. Thank you. Very happy to be here. Great. And where are you joining us from? I am in Encino, California, which is a suburb of Los Angeles. Right. And the basis for Polly Shore's Encino Man, for people that go that far back. (laughs) Anybody remember that movie? Absolutely. (laughs) Never saw it, but I remember hearing about it. (laughs) I don't remember Polly Shore's. You don't? You don't remember Polly Shore? I know Encino Man, but I I didn't ever see it either. Famous. He was his mom started the famous LA. uh, comedy club called the store i think it's the comedy store in la oh. huh. yeah huh. there you well, go thank you for that bit of la trivia yeah, look yeah. That up. i've only been here for 30 years so you know <laughs> yeah it takes Some a while are a little slow yeah 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 exactly i mean i've only been here 63 years and i'm still not getting most stuff here it's like living in new york and never seeing the statue of liberty <laughs> yeah <laughs> what well, well, Lane, maybe a good place to start would be just to tell us how A Course in Miracles came into your life. Yeah, so I was um, going through a very, very uh, steep spiritual learning path, um, and my mind was just opened over a number of years, which you know I'll weave in with my forgiveness story, but... Um, It was 2017. I was taking my dog on a walk up the hill by my house and looking at my phone and on Amazon it said, uh, recommended for you, A Course in Miracles. So (laughs) I um, said, hmm, that sounds interesting and uh, looked into it a little bit. And, you know, I, of course, always take recommendations uh, very seriously. And so it, it seemed a little much for me just at first pass, um, but I got kind of pulled in by really through the Helen Shuckman route. Um, she intrigued me right off the bat. Um, there were, and, and as I came to find out, and I'm condensing a bit of time now, but uh, there were a number of synchronicities around Helen that uh, you know spoke to me as synchronicities do. Um, and, you know, for example, I... Um, my name Elaine is, is a derivative of a family name, Helen. Um, I, I have an, or I had an Aunt Helen and an Uncle Bill, which probably many people of a certain generation did, but it all struck me as meaningful eventually. Um, my childhood hero was Helen Keller. Uh, so, so the name pulled me in, and then the more I learned, you know, her story pulled me in. I actually ended up going to her autobiography before I, I even went into the course. Um, 
And, you know, also I was initially put off by um, the Christian language. I was, you know, raised and very much identified as Jewish and, you know, have come to understand just how much conditioning has gone into that aspect of my identity. And even though Helen herself was, you know, was, as we know, very conflicted about religion and certainly was not a representation of Judaism, that was not something she had to work through. But it still kind of all went into the mix for me of things that I had to kind of work through. So eventually I got to the course. Um, this was, as I said, in 2017. And I um, you know, probably got to workbook lesson 32 or something. And then I just, I had too much resistance. So I put it down, um, as many do, and went on my merry way of my spiritual path. And then um, probably about a year later, picked it up again. And then just, you know, that was it. I was, uh, I was home. This was my, um, this was my home base. And, you know, it's been growing ever since. So that's how it came into my life. Wow, that's great. That's great. Well, yes, that is pretty interesting that you have an uh, Aunt Helen and Uncle Bill, though. Could have jumped <laughs> oh, out. Right? Yeah. <laughs> I know. And I think I was right around the same age that she was when the course first came to her. So, mm-hmm. you know, it, there was all sorts of things that, that came in around that. And then um, I was kind of signed up for the Foundation of Inner Peace. I never had heard of it or anything. And all of a sudden, there was an email in my inbox. And it was the, um, it was a couple of years ago, it was the one where the video of Bill and Ken and, uh, and Judy was talking about Helen. And I just felt, oh my God, I felt home on a new level with that. So Spirit signed me up for that. Wow. So you didn't sign up for it. It just came I to did you. not. Wow. It just came to me. Yeah. Huh. That's a little concerning <laughs> of a sort, but we don't like to impose on anyone. So, but well, you I didn't. Guess, yeah. I, you with a little why didn't. Exactly. A miracle. Yeah. 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 Yes. Yes. So That's many. So amazing. many. Hmm. Yeah. Yeah. So, well, and I was, of course, you know, I was really into synchronicities at the time this all started, and I still am, but I've come to understand that that's just an everyday occurrence. You know, whether you call those miracles or just miracle extensions or whatever, it's, you know, I, I take nothing for granted as an accident. Right. When we don't have miracles, something's gone wrong, right? They're so, they're supposed to be so normal, our everyday occurrence. Yeah. Unless you're looking for it, if you've decided what you've looked for, then that's a guarantee you won't get it. Yeah. What shape? Is not it always. Be? Not always. Really? You can, really? Yeah. You can you can get it, but it may not be what you need. Yeah, it may not be what you need or in the form you think you should have it. Yeah. Yeah. I I always go with you know pretty much any time there's a rule about never, it's broken. Right. Right. But quite often that's true when you're. And you're looking for that miracle. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, it's just, that's something that I'm kind of struggling with now is like when something comes into your ego mind as, oh, that's what's going to come of this, even if it starts out in a more spiritual place, the ego just jumps in there. And, you know, then I was like, no, get that out of your mind because then it won't happen. (laughs) So it's always that control battle. Yeah. But it's it's getting better. That's worth a lot. Yes. Yeah. 
Yes. Yes. Getting better is always good. Getting better is amazing. And that's what really um, self propagates all of this mm. is seeing the reward come back and seeing things that, you know, would have bothered you two months or a year ago and they don't bother you. Um, it's just amazing. It is. Or you laugh at them even better. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Definitely. Yeah. Well, Lane would love to hear your forgiveness story. You got it. Uh, it's a it's a humdinger. I'll try to be concise. Um, so, my chief catalyst in my life. Um, I've had a number of catalysts, but I would say this is probably the biggest and one that is directly um, geared towards my own self-love, which of course all of these are, but it's hit me in a very poignant way. Um, I was married for 21 years. Um, we separated in 2011, so it's been almost exactly 11 years. Um, had four kids, um, and, you know, for, for our marriage, you know, we were that, that family that, you know, everything was great. We were the pillars in our temple. We were, you know, we were active and kids were whatever. So it was beautiful on the outside and it was on the inside, um, for about half of that time, the back half, um, was a real struggle for me. Um, uh, my ex was, uh, controlling and, um, you know, I, I knew that from the beginning, it was, it, there was a reason that I married him. Um, it was a sort of transfer of a relationship from my mom to my ex. And, um, you know, but the, the positives were that we shared values, we shared goals, we shared the life we wanted, but that life increasingly for me became just way too limited as I grew and evolved as a person and, you know, headed into my, into my thirties. Um, so for the last 10 years of, of our marriage, um, it, it was really a struggle and, um, you know, we sought help. We were in marriage and uh, couples counseling for six years before we finally split. Um, for a long time, I wasn't sure if it was my own um, issues or issues with the marriage. It took me a good long while to sort myself out and all of that. Um, but as I grew stronger over those last couple of years, I noticed that um, I was feeling increasingly elbowed out within the marriage, um, sp uh, particularly as it related to our four kids. Um, I was the one who was home more in the beginning, you know, and then um, he was traveling and working. So, and I had a very, you know, wonderful, solid relationship with my kids. Um, but increasingly, he was the one to kind of do everything and be everywhere and be the first responder and the second responder. And with my increasing discomfort, um, it really got to the point that, you know, even despite all the counseling, I felt like it was me or the marriage, one of us has to go. Um, and this was for a long time before it actually ended. So... I knew that it was going to be tough with the kids because he was so incredibly over-involved with them, but I felt like I had to save myself and that I couldn't be the kind of parent that I wanted to be from within the marriage. So I so a line got crossed at some point. I still waited another year, and then finally, um, finally I left the marriage. 
And um, what, you know, started out as sort of a feeling of parenting competition just ramped up, escalated exponentially within a very short period of time after the separation. Um, I ended up moving out and uh, had a house that could accommodate all the kids. My oldest had just started college at that point. And um, only one of them came. So um, they turned into strangers overnight. I mean, I had beautiful Mother's Day and birthday cards right before the separation. And then it was as if a a faucet turned off. And um, it continued to worsen over a couple of years. And, you know, of course, it's a very long story. But bottom line is that um, my two oldest daughters um, basically either wouldn't speak to me or would pass me without acknowledging me. Um, it was, it was really, really brutal. Um, my youngest, my daughter, um, continued to come, although certainly the relationship over the many years that it's been has been impacted. She's pretty much the only one who's been free to come and go. And we maintain 50, 50, 50 custody of her, uh, she's 22 now. And my son, who's the third one, he was kind of in between the older two and the youngest. So initially, clearly devastated, I, you know, quickly realized that this was a sink or swim metaphor every single day. And, um, you know, I, I had to make that choice every day. And I was very steadfast. And I think In large part, that was due to all the work that I had done before I left to make sure that there was no stone unturned. Um, I I was I vowed to continue to swim and keep one or two nostrils above water at all times, and that that led me into my spiritual development, or what I came to realize somewhere along the way was my spiritual unfolding. Um, Initially, that came in the form of my first metaphysical experiences. I started a meditation practice, a transcendental meditation. I um, started really recognizing that there was more than our five senses could um, could perceive. And I, I'm a voracious reader, so I mean, I had so many books, explored so many different realms. I started with psychics and um, an astrologer that came to be very, very important in that kind of phase of my path. And, you know, along the way, I realized that this is happening for me to gain self-love, that I couldn't be the parent that I wanted to be until I really loved myself. And, you know, that sounds sounds rather cliche, and there's a you know, entire universe of meaning under that, because really that's everybody's quest. Um, and then the course came into my life, you know, as I said, a couple years ago, and, you know, really just, it's just gone on from there. So that's the that's the content of the story. Um, at this point, uh, I would say it's been a few years since I had really talked to my older two daughters. Um, you know, the graduations would come and go. I was not included in. I was specifically asked not to come to my second daughter's graduation from college. But you know, all the rest of the graduations came and went, and you know, I. Um, wasn't until this last graduation, which was just a couple of weeks ago, my youngest graduated from college, that there was finally some movement, some intermingling, and some kind of just beautiful moments 
that really, you know, inform gave me the hope um, that this is heading back in the other direction. And couple that with the fact that my youngest daughter and I have really developed an ease in our relationship this last year that is unprecedented in this period of time. So in, in form, I have hope and in content, um, I know what I'm, I know what I'm here to do. And I've watched that progress as well from, you know, needing psychics and astrologers to give me dates, you know, that would then come and go of when they're going to come back. I had to shift focus to, I have to really, truly own my happiness and not be at any, at, at any given moment, because of course that's all we have, and not be fixated on a date in the future. Um, it's certainly easier to say than to do when it's your children involved. Um, but, you know, I, I use the example of when I saw them at this graduation a couple weeks ago, I got the first really warm, sincere smile from my second daughter. I haven't seen that look on her face. We just connected for a brief moment, but her face just completely just opened up. And it was a beautiful connection. And it was just a fleeting moment, but, you know, I, I haven't seen that in a long time. And it was, it was incredibly meaningful. And it's like, you know, food that I can live off of for a really, really long time. So yeah. I'll pause there. There's there's a physical corollary to that that kind of chart marks my healing process. Um, but I'll just pause for a minute. Thank you for the context of that. I'm I'm still awaiting all the forgiveness. Oh, it's there. <laughs> What's Absolutely. it look like? What's it look what is, like in specifics? So, I I would say. The, I'm going to go with the physical corollary to that to really demonstrate my forgiveness because I think that speaks louder than any words that I can say. So um, a couple years before the marriage ended, I started getting infections. It was bacterial infections and um, just really, really, you know, um, debilitating. And that continued for a couple years after the separation. And I was uh, diagnosed finally with... Um, with an, uh, an immune condition that uh, one of my antibodies weren't working sufficiently. And so I had to have monthly infusions and still do. And I, I ended up on, at the time that I was diagnosed, I ended up on just a ton of medications. And through the course of my healing and my forgiveness, um, the, you know, this is not an illness that usually improves. It usually just gets worse. It's not fatal, but it has... Um, you know, it's, it, it's not supposed to get better either. So I did get better. <laughs> I was at one point on a number of different antibiotics and all kinds of supplements and stuff. And gradually as I went through all the forgiveness, there were so many different iterations of it. So many, um, it was layers and layers that were coming off and my medication list shrunk. I started to feel better. I wasn't as tired. I um, and and that's continued. It's I mean I'm on a record record low number of medications now, and I live a completely full life. So you know our body is for communication for the Holy Spirit's purposes, and I was I was seeing and experiencing a living example of of my forgiveness work. 
um, things would come up. I, you know, yes, events would occur, but things would come up. Like I would have a period of pain in a certain part of my body and I would, it brought up a particular child that I had to forgive. And I went through all of that and I cried and I cried and I, I, it went away. So my body pointed to all the different things that I needed to do and the people that I needed to forgive, my kids, my ex. And, you know, I, yes, there are moments I get frustrated and angry and, but it, it is so obscured by the deeper level of meaning that I've come to embody. So I'm centered now in the place of forgiveness in those relationships with occasional forays out into the ego, but my home base has shifted and it's, you know, it resulted in, for example, for this graduation, me reaching out to my ex and saying, Hey, let's just do a dinner together. Um, you know, and it, it didn't end up working out, but the fact that I could write that email without a fear of him coming back and, you know, you're this, you're that, they don't want to be with you, blah, 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 blah. That was a huge step for me to come through. But I think it's my physical body that, that most reflects my healing process. I'm happy to go into any more. That doesn't address your question. I, I think it, it starts to address it for sure. Um, are there any, were there any particular lessons or parts of the course that inspired you or that you, you clung to the most during these difficult times? Or was it just the daily practice? Was it a deeper study of the text? Um, it was, I mean, I, I would say that I've given my process completely over to spirit to guide me what to do. And so I haven't, it's not as calculated so that I could say, oh yes, well, first I this, then I this, then I this. Because when you're guided into a process, you're not necessarily remembering what the outline looks like. So, and that is one thing that fascinates me so much about the course is that you get the most out of it, at least from my experience, if you give yourself over to the process. So, you know, yes, I went through the workbook the first time and did a lesson every day. And then I read the text and now, you know, I'm just finishing the workbook the second time and I'm into the text. And of course, you know, like many guests have said, it's, it's a different experience every time you go through it. I'd say there was, I've had to build a massive toolkit for myself. Um, and I, I can't reel off, you know, if there were any particular lessons, but I can honestly tell you that every moment that I'm not engaged in my current life, I'm, I'm working on this. I'm, I'm, I'm ingesting it. I go from intellectualizing it to just um, experiencing it. And for somebody who tends to over-intellectualize things, the experiential nature of it has been fascinating. I have um, learned to communicate with spirit um, through mental images more than words because words are the tool of the ego. And whenever there's too many words involved, I know that smacks of ego. Um, I was led, for example, the, um, I started the course for the second time. I got a few months in and then I got a sharp right turn and that was to go and first study, um, Buddhist meditation and then Vipassana meditation. 
I tried to go on a retreat, which didn't work out. Um, and then middle of the summer last year, it was like a, a sharp turn back to, to the course. Michael Singer was another deviation. I, um, that came at a really critical time for me and his work really augmented. There's not a complete overlap in my opinion between his work and the course, but there's, I took the parts that were relevant and not adhering to the course because I'm, I'm a course student. That's what I must be, but because that felt right. So I, I really, really have learned to just go with my intuition on things. Um, a lot of that work last summer really paid off. I, uh, I got a call in August that um, from a friend that I hadn't seen for a long time. And she said, um, this was while I was at work, she said, I, you know, just sorry, we can't come to Molly's wedding, but I just want to wish you congratulations. Molly's my oldest daughter. And, you know, you must be so busy getting ready. So that was the first that I heard that Molly was getting married. Um, and it's, it was, of course, a huge shock. It was devastating. The weekend was, I mean, the wedding was just four days away. And, you know, going through all the human reactions to that, I also felt an almost immediate sense of relief because that was one of my worst fears that was coming true. And I knew I was going to be okay. And I did what I had just kind of come to learn to do, which is I got out and walked, you know, I, uh, walking in nature almost always moves my processing forward. I talk to myself, I um, reflect on the course, I, um, I had learned at that point that if I can detach from the story itself, um, and this is something I picked up from uh, Pema Chodron, the Buddhist nun, um, feel the feelings, lose the story, or drop the story. And, you know, because all of our stories are, are covers for the same underlying, you know, issue, which is the belief in separation. So if I could, as soon as I could disconnect from the story, I just felt this incredible portal of emotional release that really led to healing. And it was over the next couple months after that wedding that my medication went down significantly. So I was, you know, my second, my second worst fear came true and my healing accelerated in the face of the wedding that I wasn't invited to. And so every aspect of it um, was, was grounds for learning, for healing, for forgiving, for releasing. And, you know, has, has just accelerated my path. So there's, there's a lot that goes into, there's a lot of tools in my toolkits. Yes, there are certain workbook lessons that, that I hang on to at different times, but overall, it's really the intention of the course, which is that we have a bi-directional relationship um, with the spirit and that I can trust that, that, that it's a loving process. And the trust has been admittedly, you know, hard to come by, but I think that's, that's just part of the human condition. It's getting better. Yeah. Wow. And do you feel like this experience with Molly's wedding, your oldest daughter and um, your, your children, is this something that's still actively kind of 
triggers you or do you feel like it's in the past something you experienced and learned from and was a catalyst for your forgiveness? I think it's both. Um, you know, I think certainly in moments where I am, I am faced with the human element of the, the, the issues, um, I get triggered, but way less than I used to be. And like I said, you know, the, the wedding, I think having gotten through that, really made me feel invincible in a spiritual sense. Um, so anything that comes from my ex, any, which is not much, anything that comes from my kids, I might get bothered for a minute, but I, I feel like I really got, got my freedom with this, with the wedding and, you know, watching my projections. I've always been someone who has watched myself um, you know, which really, you know, has served me well through this process, but watching my, watching my reactions, I forgot where I was going with this. I'm sorry. That's okay. You just, it was good. Yeah. I just can't remember where I was going. <laughs> but, I think you were going to being invincible. You used the word invincible. I, um, yeah. Your, I mean, I don't know if that's a, you know. Process. Yeah, I, I feel like I can't be hurt. I feel like I cannot be hurt. Mm. And, oh, I know what I was going to say. So, I mean, what I was watching, like, within the weeks after the wedding, like, I was afraid to go into the market. I was afraid to, you know, see people that I knew because, you know, they're going to give me congratulations and what am I going to say and do they know that I wasn't there And because, you know, it's a, it's a community. So I knew... I knew at the time that that was a projection, you know, of my old stuff, which is you're a bad mom and you didn't deserve to be invited to the wedding, you know, which of course is ludicrous. And when you say it out loud, it's triple ludicrous. But, you know, I, I watched and I knew it was an ego projection. I knew what it was about and knew it was about separation and all of that. But I still had to kind of work through it. And I had to, you know, kind of go through the patience of just letting it be and letting it work itself out in time and doing nothing to prolong it, you know, as a, as a little side note, and hopefully I'll get back on track. One thing I've learned just in this last year is, you know, the more, the more the ego hops in, then the, then it kind of becomes exponential. And it's like, everybody's invited to the pity party, this grievance, that grievance. Oh, and I hate my body today too. You know, all the things that are really not about anything other than, you know, what the ego is about, just get invited. And so the most that you can not fan those extra flames and keep those smaller issues at bay, then the less they come to haunt you when you have quote unquote big issues, because of course there's no order of difficulty in miracles. Um, and I'm not, never upset for the reason I think that one has been particularly helpful for me. Um, so, you know, you, you, I watched myself work through the community issues and, you know, that happened one person at a time. And now, you know, I, I'm not shrinking my social life anymore because of fear of judgment. And, but that took a couple months to work through. Yeah. And then, you know, and then came the time it was, it was really a miraculous time, the time of the graduation, where, you know, I got that beautiful look from my daughter. I met my son-in-law, 
And he just came up and stood beside me and smiled. <laughs> we struck up a conversation and, um, you know, form, form started to pay off. But I, I think, you know, in every single other way, I was, I was healing even without that payoff in form. I'm not dependent on the payoff in form. And how are you with your ex? Is there any resentment? Is there, you know, feelings there? That any are, voodoo dolls that you any, use? Exactly. Put, a, put a pin in the knee here and no, there? No, no, uh-uh. <laughs> no, not really. And, you know, the fact that I was able to write him that email without fear of repercussion um, kind of was a, a marker for that. Um I, you know, I know, and especially in my higher moments, it, you know, sometimes kind of goes under, but I, I don't feel any anger towards him anymore. And when we were on the plane, we ended up on the same flight going out to the graduation. I was, you know, a couple rows apart from him. And I really just had a, like a, a final, I felt like I'd already done most of my forgiveness work, but I really had a deep coming together with him mentally that, you know, we, we did this, you did this you know, your part in my growth is, is what exactly happened. And I, I thank you for that. Um, and I would, I would love to have the kind of, you know, free and easy relationship with him that my, my husband now has with his ex-wife and, um, yeah, but you know, that's, that's on him. I'm available for it. Um, so, and, and other things along the way of the last few years, um, I did find um, my husband, a great guy, and my career went through a massive, massive change that I'm doing something, or I've been doing something for the last five years that I never, ever would have had the confidence to do when I was younger. And it was directly a result of this healing process and this coming to love myself. So in answer to your question, no, I don't harbor any resentment towards my ex. That's great. That's great. You're getting the full benefit of the lessons here. Yeah, really. I really am. And, you know, I'm, I'm very respectful of the fact that I could easily say that and not mean it, but I'm so 24 seven dedicating to dedicated, dedicated to being honest with myself that I only say it because I mean it. You've got uh, a little um, way you communicate with your higher self. You uh, talk about that, where you kind of get like a physical response to questions. Yeah. So, about six years ago, I was looking up, I was trying to find a psychic to go to, and this list was overwhelming that I was going through. And so I just started saying each name out loud and, uh, or to myself, and I all of a sudden felt this um, pulsation, and it's extremely difficult to describe, and you can imagine I have not told many people about this, but it's, a, it's like a vibratory pulse that I feel right around my left ear, just on the upper edge of my left ear, and it's like a zh, 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 zh. So as I was going through and reading off these names, I would get a for a name that I should consider in silence for the names that I didn't. And that was the beginning of this um, relationship with, you know, my little superpower, (laughs) as I call it, um, which is, you know, I it's an incredibly intricate, um, impossible to describe um, 
feedback system with my higher self, Holy Spirit, however you want to call it, that has been really my my buddy for the last six years. And yes, I had an imaginary friend as a child. And no, I'm not psychotic. Um, that's my remnant baggage from my earlier life with mental illness, um, which I acknowledge. But it is kind of weird. But it's beautiful. It is. There's so much nuance that can be communicated um, to me, and it's it's you know it's a companion that that I have daily. Uh, if I want it, I have to kind of tune in and be open to getting that feedback. But the sense of humor that comes through, the love that comes through, of course, I realized I could ask about the future with this. And so that was a process of, you know, initially I was asking all sorts of questions about the future. And then I realized I don't really want to know. And that's kind of, you know, kind of panning pinning me into a certain thought process. And that's not really in my best interest. So I've matured with it. It's matured with me. It's, it's uh, not, it, it was always mature, but I mean, we've, I've grown through the communication. Um, it will, you know, there's no doubt that it's a legitimate, that it ties into my life in a legitimate way. Um, and it's, it's not my only tool, but it's one of my most precious tools. And I'm extremely grateful to have it because it has furthered my trust substantially and it's pumping right now going yep 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 and (laughs) it'll it'll joke with me it'll play little jokes on me like for example I mean I I learn I learn from everything I learn from you know the stupid video games that I'm obsessed with on my phone you know backgammon was wonderful fodder for learning you know because I kept getting creamed for a while and then I would win and then you know I'd get frustrated and it would go ha 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 so <laughs> I mean it's very playful and very loving at the same time it doesn't always give me the answer I want but it gives me the answer that I need to have at that time and you know it's I, I'm grateful what a nice tool. It's like you have your own personal biofeedback, Holy Spirit biofeedback tool. Exactly. Right. Yeah. yeah, that's a good. Way exactly. That's yeah. Really lovely. So has it had you um be found yourself not interested in psychics anymore because you have your own answers? I am not interested in psychics anymore. Mm. And not be not because it well, my the astrologer was the one I I grew most um sort of, uh, you know, I was most together with, and she kind of faded out of view um, for her own reasons at the time that I didn't really need her anymore, but she was really instrumental. And I'm a physician, so the science aspect of what she had to bring really, you know, resonated with me, and there was a lot of intuition that went into it too. Um, But I haven't seen her in four or five years, and I have not really... You know, there's times that I wish it because I miss our communication uh, relationship, but I don't, I don't want the information that that she has to give me at this point. Because, and it's not necessarily because of the. I like that the biofeedback system. It's not because of that, but just because I'm living in the moment more. You know, and quote, knowing the future is um, a very limiting path. Yeah. Yeah, it brings you right into the future instead of the present. So. Exactly. Exactly. Wonderful. Yeah. Very interesting. And how, do you, how do you feel like, you know, 
you, you mentioned uh, earlier when we talked um, that, I think we mentioned this earlier, I, I hope I have this right, that you're spending more and more time with Holy Spirit now or in higher consciousness levels and less tolerant of the uh, you know, lower consciousness or ego talk. Can you just yeah. talk a little bit about that? Yeah. So whereas I would say um, it's kind of a carrot and stick analogy, if you will, where I, w- I would say that earlier in my development, um, it was more the adversive experiences of life that kind of made me face what was really going on. Now I'm increasingly drawn to the sort of higher plane of feeling that just amazing way that you feel when you're all lined up and everything is in perspective. And so as a result of that, you know, there are fewer episodes that come about that are painful when they are difficult. When they do come up, I'm, I'm almost always in awareness that they're they're based in the ego and it's just something I need to work through. So there's kind of a more of a separation from my ego state. Now it's kind of funny because I will um, you know I'll watch myself kind of go through these little ego moments almost as if I'm truly truly standing outside myself. Like for example, and this is this is a shout out to my soul sister Becky who has been by my side this entire path. <laughs> a very good friend of mine. But um, there was a time that, you know, my husband was going through something and he needed to sleep in the other room. And, you know, I decided to get huffy about it. And like, you know, so I actually said to him, I don't think you love me anymore because <laughs> you want to go sleep in the other room. And like, I realized, I, I just burst out laughing, laughing after I said that, because I realized how ego that was and how absolutely ridiculous. So even though I was watching myself do it, I didn't have any ownership that were stake in it whatsoever. So, you know, I, I kind of, <laughs> you don't love me anymore. So I kind of imagine that there's like a veil and, you know, I, I'm spending more time on the higher side of the veil with only occasional dips into the ego side. Um, but also what's, what accompanies that is this remarkable humility, like three years ago, you know, oh, I know everything, you know, I, I, I got this, I got this course thing, I read the course, you know, I did the workbook, I did the text, and now I'm really okay with saying, my God, if it's this way now, how is it going to be in two years or five years, you know, I'm just excited to see what's ahead, instead of being so quick to say, yep, got this. <laughs> Does that answer your question, Matt? It does. And you mentioned uh, Michael Singer. I'm I'm guessing it's The Untethered Soul you were talking about, that book? Yeah. So I did a deep dive, Untethered Soul, the Surrender Experiment. Now his third book is out. And his third book was um, is based on um, this eight-hour lecture series that he gave that I found on Sounds True, um, which, you know, it's like takes half of my income. <laughs> um, but... Um, it was, it, it takes all of it onto a deeper level. And the title of the book is Living Untethered. And the um, eight hour series was really just a way of understanding how, um, how our ego comes to us through thoughts, through emotions, and, you know, how to, how to address it. And it, I, I'm not at all going to do a good job of summarizing it. But 
it basically gave me a lot of practical hands-on tools that augmented the the course material. Yeah. So I'm I'm just making my way through the book, but you know, I know that it was modeled on this series, which was really, really profoundly interesting. It it is interesting that there's a lot of these books are so much in common for and, and Untethered Soul was for me too, that it kind of they're inroads that help go deeper into the forgiveness process. And, yes. and that, that was a big, you know, a huge one, obviously disappearances, the universe, a big one. And there's like mm-hmm. the power of now or new earth. There's a, there's a lot that are just in common you hear over and over again. So I like to hear those because for people that are out there saying like, how can I go deeper? I feel like I'm plateauing or something. Sometimes those, those books help kind of, kind of get you over the hump to the next spot where it feels a little bit better. Yes, that's absolutely true. And I think sometimes the, you know, the practically written style or language of those books, you know, kind of comes at the right time to give you just another way of, of conceptualizing the work that is in common with all of them. Um, And, but for me, you know, I clearly was guided to those things at the time that I was. And so what may be helpful for me may not be helpful for someone else, but it's that dynamic aspect of the relationship with spirit that really um, makes it all the more valid and meaningful. It's just layers of richness. Yeah. Well, yeah. When, when you get caught in an ego storm or ego trap, Elaine, what do you do to kind of recenter yourself, to bring yourself back to center so you can feel good and get some relief? I think the first thing I do is I have um, trained myself and it almost always works. You know, I, there's definitely sometimes I slip, but that's okay. I've learned, learned to be gentle with myself for, you know, all of those all of those things that we all tend to beat ourselves up for. But um, I will tell myself that I don't have to address it right now. There's no time pressure for me to get back to it. And if I feel time pressure, that's my ego talking. And so I give myself some space. Um, As soon as I can, I usually go out and walk. As I said, that helps me process almost anything. Um, I'll talk to myself. I'll talk to my little buddy. and then as, as soon as I can, I just try to take the words out of it and experience that feeling of release and agitation. And I just, I, I give it over, but I, I can't describe, it's really like a portal where all those uncomfortable feelings just, I just direct them outwards. Um, music is a huge um, release for me. Uh, I have a very, very deep history with with music personally it's a fast track to my soul so when I'm calmed down enough you know I may sing I've gotten a lot from actually through your podcast I learned of Netta Bowen and I've um, come to love her music and you know I can't tell you how many times I've cried to I give it all to you <laughs> um, so I may sing sing those songs and um, just singing in general brings me back um, but mostly I'm just super, super kind to myself and don't respond. Like if, if something flashes up and I can't tell if it's ego or spirit, then I usually just, you know, if it's a toss up, I'll just sit back and I'll wait for the knowledge of what the right path is, what the higher path is. And, you know, I think 
the hard part is like the, the stuff with my kids. I mean, that's been such a constant that I know all the different ways that that looks, but sometimes like we just had a difficult situation at work last week with a, a young woman who was dying and, and I found myself caught up in ego because it was a new situation. I wasn't looking for it. And, you know, part of it was just the process that I needed to go through to do right by her. But the other part of it was, um, you know, not getting caught up in the I'm doing something wrong mentality and realizing that I, Elaine, as an individual, am not the determinant of this woman's life. This is not about me. This is about the whole story and everybody is growing and learning and evolving from this situation. So it's those situations that catch you by surprise that, you know, I still, I still kind of wrestle with. I have not been through a death of a close family member yet. So my parents are, you know, in their eighties and um, at some point that will happen and um, all their generations. So you know, I'm sure there are new tests. There, of course, there are new tests ahead, but um, those are some of the strategies that I use. So I walk, I talk, but not with words. And I use, I detach from the story and release the pain, which is not about what it seems on the surface. I, I know when we talked uh, once before, uh, the subject of uh, body dysmorphia came up because I, I think you work with mm-hmm. patients that uh, suffer from this. And that's kind of like an exaggerated sense of a, like sometimes someone who's anorexic or bulimic, they can have like no fat on their stomach, but they go, look at my fat gut. And, yeah. uh, and you're like, well, how come you can't see that that's totally not fat at all? In fact, you're so, super, you're overly skinny. And, uh, mm-hmm. but you said actually there, the word, there's like, a, is there a Latin or Greek word uh, that's related to body dysmorphia? It has the word mm-hmm. ego in it, doesn't it? Oh, yeah. I was saying that an- anorexia nervosa is egocentric. So it, it, you don't want to get rid of it because it's part of your identity. And that's mm-hmm. why it's so difficult to treat because, you know, you, you can't see what everybody else sees around you. And that, that line of work has been an incredible um, metaphor for me along this path, because I imagine that, you know, spirit looks at us and says, you guys are nuts. Why can't you see how incredibly nuts you are that you're, you know, living your life separated because patients with eating disorders are, are, are separated from others. They're, everything is a secret. They don't want to be found out. There's lots of paranoia. I mean, it's all of this stuff that is our condition as humans and, we must look just as nuts to the spirit world as these patients do to, to us. And um, so that's how, you know, I'm able to connect with these patients, I think in part, because it's the same thing. It's just in a different form. Yeah. What I love is, is um, in your discussion of what you do for yourself is uh, it starts with kindness. And I think that that's a common denominator as well across all platforms of how kind one can be, not only to ourselves, but to our thoughts about other people and, mm-hmm. and how we how we navigate uh, through kindness. It, it really is such a good rudder. It's so well said. For me, it also starts this- with chocolate. I just want to yeah, oh, wait, <laughs> I forgot that. <laughs> Representative of every food group. Yeah. 
I have this little thing that I named called the one, two skidoo, which is an ego fa- favorite ego, ego strategy. It's where, um, you know, like you say something like that's so clearly based in ego, like I'm going to be the best podcast guest ever. And the ego comes in and says, you idiot, you've done all this spiritual training and that's what you have to come up with. <laughs> so it's like there's the ego and then the ego beats, beats you up for having the ego. So, you know, one of my little kind of choice morsels is anything that starts with you idiot is definitely from the ego. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, <laughs> One, two, skidoo. You can use it royalty free. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> What about if you say, you sweet little darling idiot? Would that count? <laughs> All the I don't know. What, what do you think, Tam? <laughs> um, yeah, see, I've said that to myself. So uh, for me, it actually has because it's been with humor. It's like, oh, you're so, like, as you were saying, how silly we look. Um, yeah. When I sometimes see how silly I am being, instead of getting mad at myself, there are there are moments I've had where it's like, you sweet little nutcase, calm down, come back. <laughs> <laughs> and that's kind. It's, it's like yeah. you know, I, I'm honoring the the language sometimes of the ego that it uses. Yes, and, and yes. trying to flip it around to make it a friend more than okay. Don't use those words. Don't do this. Don't do that. That's great. I, I rebel from everything that I start saying. Don't do. <laughs> <laughs> those are my little tricks. Yeah. But I like Love your good do. That's yeah. Great. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, anytime you can interject humor in there, it already changes that, you know, neural wiring that has us conditioned to fear. Right, right. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Any closing thoughts before we wrap up? I don't think so. I think I've said what I had wanted to say. Okay. I totally just want to put, like, some loudspeaker on your ear. And just hear the rap, buzz, buzz. <laughs> yeah, I'm getting yeah. pumps of yes, 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 yes. Okay. And, uh, can people make appointments with your ear, Elaine? <laughs> I'll ask it. Yeah. It's, say, it's saying yes. It's saying oh, absolutely. Okay. Yeah. Well, there you Free go. Now charge. people, people are going to, oh, I'd be really careful because you might get flocked with people thinking, <laughs> you know, or, 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 Treating you as a psychic. Um, yeah, no, I'm not because it, it messes with me. It's, you know, it's it's not linear by any means. And, yeah. you know, I've gotten le- yes to plenty of things that were actually no's. So that's all part of the trust game because you really mm-hmm. realize what matters and what doesn't matter, which is most of what we what we think. So anyway, now you know my deep secret. And uh, Thank you. <laughs> oh, that's great. great. That's great. And you've just told many people your deep secret. So yes. yeah. So listen, so listen. If you're if you have a body part that kind of surges or gives you feedback, like hey, that might be something. <laughs> exactly. Who knows what'll start from this, right? A yeah, revolution perfect. of perfect of spirit spirit biofeedback. Yes, completely great. Well, um, only- but I wait. I, I do need to say this just to be responsible um, that. If people start to feel this, they should still consult physicians and stuff because it absolutely can be a sign of uh, physiological dysfunction. So uh, rather than than a lovely little treat from the Holy Spirit. Well said. Well said. Yes. Yes. Well, Well, Elaine, thanks so much for joining us today on Miracle Voices and sharing your miracle voice. 
this was really helpful for me and I'm sure it was for the listeners and good luck with everything you have going on the rest of the year. Enjoy your summer. All right. To you guys too. It was really, really a treat talking with you. Thank you so much. Thank you. Thanks so much for listening today. Please subscribe to Miracle Voices by hitting the subscribe button on your podcast app. If you are enjoying these conversations, please consider leaving us a review on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or whatever podcast app you use. And lastly, please visit us at miraclevoices.org and join our newsletter so we can stay connected. Until the next podcast, I want to leave you with my favorite course quote, when you want only love, you will see nothing else. Thank you.